Hi, this is John Ankerberg, and today I want to present to you my very, very good friend, Dr. Wayne Barber. For 18 years, he was pastor of the huge Woodland Park Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. He was co-teacher with Kay Arthur for 14 years at Precept Ministries. He studied with Dr. Spiro Zodiades and co-hosted with him the national radio and TV program, New Testament Light, for 10 years. Wayne has taught the message of living grace, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, all around the world. He is president, founder, and principal speaker of Living Grace Ministries. And in February of 2011, he returned to Woodland Park Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee, as senior pastor. Wayne's authored several books. The most recent one is entitled Living Grace, Letting Jesus Be Jesus in You. And he has also co-authored The Following God, series of studies published by AMG. I hope that you'll enjoy listening to Dr. Wayne Barber. Would you turn with me tonight to 2 Corinthians chapter 5? And we're going to be looking at some very difficult passage of scriptures in verses 6 through 10. And I just ask you as we go through it, you just pray for me. I'll get it out of me like it gets into me. <laughs> when you preach verse by verse, folks, you don't skip this stuff. You walk right through it. And so we want to be looking tonight. This is part three. We want to talk about courage in the face of life and death. Courage in the face of life and death. Now, let me, let me get you into this because if you haven't been with us, boy, what a flow, what a river we've been a part of. When a believer begins to understand that death is no longer an enemy, when he finally begins to live in the eternal instead of the temporary, when he begins to see the difference between the momentary pain and the eternal weight of glory that's being produced in us, when he focuses on the unseen instead of the seen, when he realizes that the purpose of dying is so that we might be in the presence of God, when he sees that the prize of his departing, when he departs this earth from the body at death, that is a body, a heavenly body, that's the prize that knows no pain and that is recognizable. And when he sees that he has been totally prepared for the moment of death and has been given the promise of life after death by the Holy Spirit coming to live in his life, then suddenly, this is, this, it's amazing how the change comes. Suddenly, living by faith while he's still here on this earth takes on a brand new significance to the believer. He's on a journey. He understands that. Life on this earth, which brings with it to the believer a lot of pain, Hostility, embarrassment, ridicule, heartache is worth it all when one realizes that the one who conquered death lives in him to enable him in life. It's interesting to me how sometimes we can become so nonchalant concerning life on this earth and the, and the responsibility we as believers have in it. I mean, almost to the point we give it no meaning at all. Some people feel like they're the party hardies. They can just live like they want to live, and one day they're going to be with Jesus forever. Let's get the best of both worlds. In our text today, we're going to see how Paul did not do that. He didn't overlook his responsibility to live life on this earth. Granted, he wanted to be in his heavenly body. He says it again in our text today. But he's willing to live in his earthly body, allowing Christ to live through him until his time came. God has a purpose for us. If your heart is beating tonight, and obviously it is, if your heart's beating tonight, God's not through with you. God has a purpose for you on planet Earth, in this physical body. 
in this earthly tent that we have been learning about in 2 Corinthians 5 that we live in. And that purpose, listen, the purpose he has in this life is directly tied to life after death. And if you don't see this connection, then I've missed doing what God's put on my heart tonight. We must see how life on this earth has direct results in the life in heaven with Christ. Now, Paul understood this very well. He was unafraid of death, and as a result, he lived life on this earth by faith, full of hope and full of confidence. Well, let's jump in because we've got a lot to look at tonight. Let's look at what gave Paul the courage to face life and also to face life after death and to face death. Three things that I want you to see, and I, I just pray that God will help us understand it. First of all, the perception Paul had, uh, the knowing that motivated Paul, the knowing that identified Paul. It, 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 it was the very thing that sort of summed up who he really was. He knew something, and his whole life was based upon that something. In verse 6, he says in chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians, Therefore, being always of good courage and knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord, he says. He says, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Now he begins in verse 6 by saying, therefore. Here we go again. <laughs> Anytime you see a therefore, always look to see what it's therefore. Okay, because he understands. Everything he says now with that therefore is based on on everything he's just said, because he understands that, that at death there will be a departure of his spirit and he will be immediately in the presence of the Lord, because he understands that at death he will have a heavenly body that is recognizable, because he understands that he is totally prepared for death and that God has a guarantee living in him in the person of the Holy Spirit, Paul says, therefore, therefore. In other words, you couldn't say this, therefore, had these other things not been in place that he understood. Therefore, he says, we're always of good courage. Now, this, this word courage is, it needs to be understood. It's the word thoreo. And the word thoreo means he's always full of hope and full of confidence. Now, understand what he's doing here. He says, based on what I know, based on what God has shown us, based on his word and what we believe, he says, we're always of good courage, always full of hope and confidence. Paul's understanding of how death is just from here to there and that God had already prepared him for it caused him to live with a divine confidence. I wonder if you have that divine confidence in your life tonight. No matter what circumstance came his way, no matter how painful it might be, he was full of hope and confidence always, all the time. Again, therefore being always of good courage. And then he says, and knowing that while we are in, at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. The word for knowing there, knowing, this is so important is the word evotis. It's not, not the normal word for knowing. It's, it's the word that means to intuitively know, uh, to have a divine perception of something. It comes from the verb form of horao. It means to perceive something clearly, to have a divine perception. It's in the perfect tense, which means we have come to this place of knowing. We're in the state of knowing this. And what does he know? Now, he's told us a lot of things he knows, but he's be specific with the context. He says, and knowing what? 
that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. Now, Paul knew very well that believers are in one of two places. Uh, there is no step in between. There's no soul sleep, as some people teach about what happens at death. There's no purgatory, as some people choose to believe. A believer is either in heaven, in the visible presence of the Lord, or he's on earth, absent from his visible presence, but indwelt by his Holy Spirit. The two, however, being at home in the body and absent from the Lord, and the other being absent from the body and to be present with the Lord, listen, are eternally connected. They're connected. And living by faith shows that they're linked together. Paul knew that being at home in the body was only a temporary condition. He was living in an earthly tent destined to die one day. But he also knew that soon and very soon, he was going to see the king. How many of you know that song? Soon and very soon. Hey, sing it with me. Soon and very soon we are going to see the king. Soon and very soon we are going to see the king. Soon and very soon we are going to see the king. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We're going to see the king. Goes on to say, no more dying there, no more crying there. Now, Paul knew that. Paul understood that. He knew he was in a temporary state, being absent from the Lord, but present in the body. But that was going to change. And this truth from God's word, now listen carefully, was the basis upon which he lived by faith, not by sight. And this living by faith identified his lifestyle, all of his life as a believer. I mean, anytime you see Paul in any of his epistles, he's walking and living by faith. Why? Because he knows something that's out there. He's, he's believing it. He can't see it, but he's living in, as a result of what's coming. He says in Romans 1, 11 and 12, that not only does their faith encourage him, but he had realized that his faith was encouraging them. He says, for I long to see you, that I may impart some spiritual gift to you, that you may be established. That is, that I may be encouraged together with you while among you, each of us by the other's faith, both yours and mine. He told the Galatians who had evidently stopped walking by faith and started walking by sight. He says in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by what? By faith. Faith is believing God. That was the means by which Christ was released in Paul's life day by day to produce works that were going to be, that would last for all of eternity. Paul had grabbed hold of this, that something about the life down here had something to do with the life one day when he met the Lord Jesus. One does not walk by faith if he believes that this life on earth is all there is. You don't have anybody walking by faith unless they understand what's yet to come. Walking by faith is not walking by sight. When a believer sees by faith from God's word what lies ahead, then this causes him, this spurs him to live by faith in this life. This was the knowing. This was the perception that identified Paul in everything that he did. Hebrews 11, verse 1, it says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. You see, we have to understand what Paul is telling us tonight. 
If you believe that, you, that God has conquered death, and if you believe that one day you'll be with him, and if you believe that you'll have a heavenly body, these are the, this is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Faith is linking here to there. We have a wonderful picture of how faith envisions uh, one, uh, how faith operates in one who has envisioned the future, and yet he hasn't seen and he's anticipating experiencing that which is ahead of him. It's in Hebrews eleven thirteen. It said, all of these died in faith. This is the great hall of faith here. Without receiving the promises, but watch this. But having seen them and welcomed them from a distance and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. In Paul's last days, you think he wasn't anticipating what was coming? Do you think he didn't? He had lived his whole life in expectancy of what was yet to come. He had lived by faith about what that which he would soon be able to see. And in 2 Timothy, right before he was martyred, it says in 2 Timothy 4, 7 and 8, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the what? The faith. And then he says, look what he's looking forward to. In the future. There is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. You see, Paul trusted God in death, and this caused him to trust God in life in order to live, and to live by faith. This was a lifestyle that had spawned within him. His divine perception of death had fanned the flame in his attitude towards life, which caused him to live the way that he lived. He was motivated to live by faith in anticipation of what faith saw in the life to come. Therefore, being always of good courage and knowing that while we are at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. I have to tell you, there's a lot of people who have never made the connection. They live in this life, I've said many times, they get all they can, can all they get, sit on the can, poison the rest. They've got everything invested into this life. They're not living as if this is temporary. It's like we started this series by drawing the line across the stage and putting the dot on it. They're living for the dot. They're not living for the line. And this is, this is when people are not walking by faith. This is what crashes down on top of them when life throws a curveball at them because the God who has overcome death can, has overcome life, and he is the life that we need. Allowing him to live through us is what faith is all about. But you see, there's a divine perception that a knowing that identified Paul. His whole life could be wrapped up in the fact of he knew what was coming. He knew how short this life was. And he could not wait to stand in Jesus' presence. He did not in any way want to stand there ashamed, as you'll see in the text. Secondly, the preference that Paul had that captivated Paul. The preference that captivated Paul. Now, Paul, Paul is totally honest in verse 8. Uh, his, his heart's desire just comes out in verse 8. He so lived in the unseen instead of the seen. He, he so lived in the eternal instead of the temporary. He so believed in heaven and being with Christ forever that he literally longed to be with Christ. He longed to be in heaven. Verse 8, we were of good courage. He wanted to make sure they heard that again, I say, and prefer rather to be absent from the body and to be at home with the whom? With the Lord. 
You see, he's already covered those bases. If you weren't here the last time, I can't go back and re-preach that. He, he knows that when he sheds this body, when this tent is folded, that there's going to be a heavenly body when he gets into the presence of Christ. And so he's just repeating what he's already said in verse 6, and now he says it again in verse 8. We are of good courage. I don't want you to think that we're not taking responsibility for the life we have down here. We're of good courage. We're full of hope. We're full of confidence. But oh, how we long. And it just sort of captivated Paul in everything that he did, longing because he saw it. He saw it with his spiritual eyes. He saw it. God had opened his eyes. He realized that this was just the beginning. Getting saved is a beginning on earth. We're just strangers down here. We're just passing through. Oh, one day we'll be in the face, in the presence of Jesus. And he lived for that while still present on this earth in his earthly body. In the face of hostility, in the face of uncertainty, he was still able to say, we're of good courage. We're of good courage, full of hope and confidence. But he so longed to one day be with Christ in his heavenly body. He says, and prefer rather to be absent from the body and to be at home with the Lord. He understood the temporary existence of his earthly tent, filled with the treasure of Christ living in him. He understood that. And he was daily so full of hope and confidence in Christ that he, who had conquered death and was his life. But he was so anxious to be with Christ and to have his heavenly body. You know, people that live in the scene don't feel that way. Have you ever been with somebody that's a believer and you want to talk about the Lord and you want to talk about the Word, but they talk about everything but that? Have you ever been there? Has it ever just made you feel sort of empty inside when you walked away? When you live in the Word, when you walk by faith, when you realize what's coming, and the eye hath not seen and ear hath not heard, it seems like something clicks inside and you don't want to ever be in a place to bring shame upon His name or in any way down here because you can't wait to get there, to be in His presence and not to be ashamed. Faith embraces the unseen that God has promised. Paul knows that one day faith would lead him into the scene. He knew that. It was coming. You see, for faith to be real, the unseen must come about or it cheapens what faith is. It's kind of like the fellow who, who believes all of his life he has, has a million dollars. But one day he finds out he doesn't have a million dollars but owes a million and he cannot pay it. His faith in what he had was cheapened in it not existing. So Paul believes with all of his heart. This determines the way he lives. He's got a, a preference, though. That preference saturates him daily. It captivates him. It's so clear why Paul is of good courage. Why can he be full of hope and confidence? Because he so believes in what is next in the life with the Lord Jesus Christ. It is faith believing God's word that one day will be at home with the Lord that causes us to live with hope and confidence down here. So I could have added verse 8 with the first two, but I just felt like there's something unique here. We not only see the perception that identified Paul's life because he walked by faith. Why? Because he so believed what would happen at death and where he was headed. But also this preference that he had that sort of captivated him. It, every day he woke up, that's what his desire was, to be with the Lord, to to go on and see what he believed so much in his heart. He lived by faith. He hadn't seen it, but he believed it with all of his heart. But finally, the pursuit that motivated Paul. Now, this is going to take me the longest. This is really the basis of everything he's saying here, of how life and how death are, are connected. 
and how the life on this earth and life after death are definitely connected. He says in verse 9, Therefore we also have as our ambition, whether at home or present, to be pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Now, this, is, this is interesting scripture. By understanding death and therefore having the courage to face life, Paul was driven by the desire one day to stand before Christ, not just to have a heavenly body. Oh, no, that's just part of it. But to receive rewards that would point to God and not to himself. This is what he's beginning to bring up. He says, therefore, we also have as our ambition. Now, this ambition was something you pursue. It's the word philotimiome. Uh, the word philo is, philos is the word that means to love or cherish something. The word uh, tomeo is the word is meaning honor. So it's to, it's to have a desired goal that is worthy of pursuit, to be ambitious to see it come about. And Paul adds, whether at home or absent. In other words, this desire, this pursuit was while he was on earth, but he, he even, it had even more to do when he stood before Christ one day, whether in heaven or whether on in earth, this, this pursuit was in place. And what is this goal? What is it that motivated Paul? What about the, the, the life after death? Not just a heavenly body. We know he groaned to be in that. But what is this, what is this that he pursued? What, what, what is it that he wanted? Well, he says to be pleasing to him. The word pleasing is the word ephorestos. It means to be well-pleasing to God himself. Now, I know what many of you might be thinking right now. You say, Wayne, I thought we were as believers. We're already pleasing to God. We're, we're already in Christ, and you're exactly right. That's not what he's talking about. Your position in Christ is sealed forever. You are pleasing to the Father through his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. You have put on the robe of righteousness, but that's not what he's talking about. Paul is talking about something else. He's talking about a time when his deeds down here on earth he wants them to reflect Christ when he stands before him in heaven. He says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Now watch carefully. So that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. So he's talking about the deeds, the works that, that come out of our lives. And Paul points to an event, I personally believe it's going to be immediately after the rapture of the church. <laughs> When all believers, and I laugh because there's so many views of eschatology, that's where I am if you have any question. I've told you so many times, if you want to stay, stay, send me a postcard. I'm going with the first bunt. But right after the rapture, when God takes the church out of here, and when we stand before God, I believe in that day, and day is not a 24-hour period of time. It's, it's a whole period of time. Even the day of the Lord lasts longer than just one day. <clears throat> but in that period of time, we're going to be there and be rewarded. Can you believe this? for allowing Christ to live his life through us and produce works down here that are eternal. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Now, don't get confused here. Some people think it's all one big judgment. No, he's not talking about that. This is a different judgment than the great white throne judgment that will come at the end of that seven-year period of time or that 1,000-year that reign. It will come at the very end of that. That's the last judgment. That's the judgment of the unrighteous dead. But what he's talking about here is something different. The, the word for judgment seat is the word bema. You've probably heard that term before, the word bema, seat of Christ. It's the word referring, the word bema is the word referring to an elevated place. 
something that was set up high. You had to walk up steps to get to it. And this, on this elevated platform would be where the magistrates or the judges of their day would sit and cast judgment. I've been to Philippi. I've been on the Bema seat. I've stood up there and looked down at my group, and I didn't cast judgment. But I've been there. I've seen what that looks like. It's, it, they set up high. Now, what is it that's going to be judged? We're not going to be judged there because we were judged at the cross, but something about us is going to be judged. Uh, before we can go any further, I want to go back to verse 1 of chapter 5. Now, I want to make sure I didn't bring this out when I studied it with you. I want to bring it out. In verse 1 of 2 Corinthians 5, Paul says, For we know that if the earthly tent, which is our house, is torn down, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Now, the building from God is the word ekodomi. It is a house where one lives in, yes, but it's a house that's in the process of being built. Now, this is interesting. The way we are living here is causing something to be built there. Our life here is determining something there. Dr. Spiros Zoviades believes that our heavenly body, that is mentioned in verse 2, will somehow reflect our life down here on earth. The word put on means to put a garment on top of a garment. In other words, we already have the garment of Christ, but something that marks us individually when we get to heaven. He believes that this is what he's talking about here. He believes that Paul is showing us that our heavenly house, our heavenly body, our heavenly garment is being prepared for us, built for us, according to our works of faith while we're here on this earth. Can I prove that? No. I'm just telling you what one man thinks. But he, one thing we do know for sure, and that is there's a direct tie with the rewards in heaven. Now listen carefully with the way we choose to live down here on earth. Folks, I want to tell you something. There is integrity to Christianity. And there's going to come a day when our works that we do down here are going to be judged up there, when we see him on that day. The word, he says in verse 10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And then he tells you why. So that each one may be recompensed for his deeds done in the body. Now the word recompensed is the word comizo. It's a word that means to receive something. It's like the old phrase, what goes around comes around. Because he adds, for his deeds in the body, now listen, according to the measure, to what he has done, whether good or bad. Now the context has told us that what is good and what is bad. We know from Hebrews eleven six, without faith it's impossible to please God. Paul lived by faith. Those de deeds that are going to be good are those that are done by faith. There are those which are produced by the Holy Spirit of God producing them in our life. Those that are bad are those that we do after the flesh. Now, God's not out to get us. He's out to reward us. Paul lived by faith because he realized how our, his life on this earth was determining his rewards when he stood before Christ one day. And only by faith will they remain. There's a lot of people that are into works, the fleshly works, but that's what's going to burn. First, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Verses 10 through 13, and let me show you what this is all about. This is the clearest passage that helps us to understand what Paul... See, these are the Corinthians. Paul's already laid this groundwork, so we've got to go back to that passage. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 10 through 13. 
Very, very important we see this. There are different kind of works. They're the works the flesh produces and we call good, and they're the works God produces through us and he calls good. The ones that he calls good are going to remain. And Paul said, when I stand before him one day, I want my works to be pleasing to him, well-pleasing. I want them to point back to him and not to me. Verse 10 through 13 of 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And the apostle Paul says to this same church, he says, according to the grace of God which was given to me, like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation, and another is building on it. But each man must be careful, be careful how he builds upon it. For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man builds on the foundation, and he gives the materials, gold, silver, precious stones, or wood, hay, and straw, each man's work will become evident. For the day will show it because it is to be revealed with fire, and the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. Now, this whole thing is about rewards. He says in verse 14, if any man's work which he has built upon it remains, he will receive a reward. This whole thing is to reward us. It, God is not after any of us. God is not out to embarrass any of us. He simply is putting integrity into how we live. The way we live here, whether by faith or after our flesh, will be tested by fire when we stand before him one day. Paul by showing, it begins here by showing that we're all builders. We're builders. He says, another is building upon it. Be careful how you build. Now, Paul warns each man must be careful in how he builds it on the foundation. The foundation is Christ. You say, how do you know that? Well, I read it. Verse 11, for no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, each of us here tonight have the exact same set of materials with which to build. He says, now, if any man builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and straw. He has two different sets of materials. Gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and straw. Now, what, what are we talking about here? Well, we know they're going to be tested by fire. Fire burns wood, hay, and straw. It's not going to last. The things that last will be those precious stones. Uh, these are the materials that are... The wood, hay, and stubble will be the fleshly materials. The, 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 what we do by faith, without faith it's impossible to please God, will be the precious stones, the gold, the silver. Which all, and the fire will only refine those particular things. He says in verse 13, again, that the finished product, and he calls it a work. This is why Spiro said, I believe it's the garment that we put on. I don't know. But somehow it's singular, and everything that we do down here that remains will be like one single thing. And, and we somehow will be identified by that, and rewards will be given accordance to that. Uh, verse 13, each man's work will become evident, for the day will show it because it is to be revealed with fire, and the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. Now, Paul is telling the Corinthians so clearly that walking by faith, you remember that's their whole problem. They wouldn't walk by faith. While on this earth is so important because each man's work will become evident. Now, he points to a day. And again, I just go back to the fact that I believe that it's a, it's a period of time that happens at the rapture of the church. When we're taken out of here, while the day of the Lord is going on down here, we're in heaven being rewarded for, allow, for, for the faith walk that we had down here. Now, each man's work will become evident, for the day will show it, because it's to be revealed with fire. Boy, this is comforting to me, because everything that we've done 
What last will be that which will identify us? It's the figurative house that we build, whatever that is, upon the foundation of Christ. It will be revealed by fire. Now you take a match and you light wood, hay, and stubble, and it'll go up in smoke. And again, this is nothing to fear. I don't know how many of you were like me, but uh, I grew up afraid of this. How many of you grew up afraid when you start hearing things like this? Anybody? <laughs> it's not to be afraid of. I know I may have shared with you before, but I, when I was growing up, man, I, I came up under some hard preaching. People from time to time say I'm a hellfire and damnation preacher. That's the biggest joke I've ever heard. I, I would love to put you on a bus and take you to one let you see the difference. But if you want to hear a hellfire and damnation preacher, you hadn't, got a, you hadn't got a chance. You might as well just give up now. But I heard that when I was growing up. Boy, you better get your life right, boy. You better walk by faith, boy. One day you're going to stand before God, boy. And God's going to take all of your sins and all of your evil works and all these things. And he's going to put them up on a big screen and everybody's going to see them. And he's going to embarrass you to death, boy. Oh, I could tell you a whole lot about that kind of preaching. I just love this passage because it, to me, how are you going to put it on the screen when it's burned up? Oops. God's not out to show you what you didn't do right. He's out to reward you for what you did do right. And when a person will walk by faith, Paul is saying, I want to stand before him one day, and I want to be pleasing in his sight. I don't want to stand there with just a small work that's been accomplished by faith. I want, I want it to, to overwhelm the Lord. It's what he's done through me. The fire itself will test the quality. It means what sort of, of the flesh or of the spirit that man's work is. Well, we're creating right now. And I, I tell you, I don't know if anybody will ever hear, hear me. That's okay. I'm going to throw it out. When I stand before God, I can say, I told them. We are creating right now by the way we live our capacity to enjoy this day when we stand before Christ one day after we have been given our heavenly bodies. We're creating it right now. And folks, sometimes it may sound hard. Sometimes it, I don't know how it sounds. I had a mom and daddy that son my mother would tell me to go get the switch. And I'd go cut the smallest thing I could find. And she'd cut the tree down and beat me with it. But you know why she did that? She did that because she loved me. And folks, the hard things in Scripture are said for a reason, to get our attention. Guess where he's headed in this thing? You want to walk by faith? I told you a couple sermons ago, chapter 8 and chapter 9 is all about giving, and he's going to be bringing right down. He's, he's building his foundation right here, except he's talking about death, and he's talking about the judgment of works one day when we stand before God. It fits every area of our life. The things you don't want to talk about are the very things the Holy Spirit wants you to deal with. Why? So you don't want to be ashamed when you stand before him one day when he tests your works by fire. He loves you. You're, you're already in Christ. He's not out to get you. But I tell you, there's a big difference in giving one child $10 and giving the other one 100 One enjoys something a whole lot more than the other one. And you see, that's what he's trying to say. He said, I want to be pleasing to him when I stand before him one day. So the perception, the knowing that identified Paul, he knew that this was coming. 
He knew that he was just in a temporary body. He knew that it wouldn't be long before he would be in front in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that caused him to want to walk by faith. He said, we walk by faith, not by sight. And that's a key phrase to the Christian in every area of his life. The preference that captivated Paul was, and he, he had to be honest about it, he said, we're full of hope and confidence, but oh, how we long to be in his presence. How we long to wear that eternal garment and be with him forever. But the pursuit that motivated him was that he wanted his works to be pleasing when he stood before Christ. And anything my flesh comes up with and asks God to bless is not going to be pleasing. It only comes, comes back to the message of living grace, letting Jesus be Jesus in and through me. That's what it's all about. If I choose not to live it, that's my choice. You can't make me choose. I can't make you choose. But I'll tell you one thing, we will stand before him one day. That's why John said in 1 John, don't be amongst those who shrink back at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why would a believer want to shrink back? I tell you, there's too many people today that have gotten so much invested into this life, they can't even begin to think about the next one. Paul lived the exact opposite. He invested everything he did in the next life, and he couldn't wait to get there. That's the difference. Life on earth is a serious thing to a believer. It cannot be taken for granted. It is tied directly to when we stand before him after death. On this time when we're rewarded, we're developing our capacity right now to enjoy that day. Well, i tell you what, I don't know if these things are doing anything to you, but <laughs> it's taking me to the cleaners every time I get in. I've got to study it before I even get up and preach it. I hope it's saying something to your heart. If you've got this lackadaisical attitude towards Christianity, if it's just another thing you add onto your life, and I wouldn't, I don't know that, so I'm just throwing it out there. But if that's the case, you better get with it, folks, because you don't know the day nor the hour when he's coming, nor do you know the day and the hour when you will depart this body and you will be in his presence. We don't know that. And what he's trying to say is, I've made a choice. I'm going to walk by faith. I'm going to walk by faith. Are you living in the unseen tonight instead of the seen? Are you living in the eternal by faith, trusting God to do through you what you know you cannot do so that one day when you stand before him, you will not be ashamed and that your work will be pleasing to him because he looks at it and he sees himself. You see, knowing that, we've con that he's conquered death is part of it, but coming to grips with life now is another part of it. Don't skip what we're doing down here because that plays a definite role and when we meet him over there and stand face to face with him. Boy, tell you what, this is easy to preach. <laughs> a lot harder to live, isn't it? I wish I could just preach and just keep right on going. Boy, Lord, wasn't that good? God said, son, now take all the books off your desk and take out a clean sheet of paper. I remember a period of time in my life that I got so defeated by a lot of things that I just let it eat on me. And I went to the doctor. The doctor, <laughs> it's funny how they tell you, you know, when something's wrong. He said, uh, Wayne, uh, I just don't really want to tell you this, but you have an ulcer. I'm thinking, me, carefree, Wayne has an ulcer? He said, oh, yeah, you have an ulcer. And Wayne, it's not bacterial, and it's not what you're eating. It's what's eating you. And he said, you know what, Wayne? It might be a good day for you to start living what you've been preaching. Whoa. I can't say anything to you. I just have to look at him and see what he said to me.
What's he saying to you? Where are you in your walk right now? Where are you in your walk? For additional resources, log on to jashow.org. That's jashow.org.